Welcome to City on a Hill Gaming, a tabletop RPG actual play podcast. To find out more, download episodes wherever you get podcasts, or visit us online at cityonahillgaming.com, or by sending us an email at cityonahillgaming at gmail.com. You can also support us on patreon.com slash cityonahillgaming. We hope you enjoy our show. Welcome back to City on the Hill Gaming. I am your... Well, I'm not your narrator tonight. I'm your Ryan. Hello. Uh, I am joined by your Cameron. Hello, hello. And we are here to talk Pathfinder. We're not we're not playing Kingmaker tonight, but we are talking all things Pathfinder. Uh, maybe first and second edition? I don't know. We'll, we'll get into the weeds, because Cameron is the person I know who knows actually probably more about Pathfinder than I do, um, but, but knows knows pathfinder and i think am i comfortable saying knows more it more comfortably than they know 5e um or at least knows it better than a lot of the people yeah. we know negligible yeah i would say negligibly different and that i think that's a little uncommon in the space yeah. like the average person is a 5e person so we're gonna we're gonna talk pathfinder today uh for those who don't know pathfinder it is made by paizo publishing uh it was originally Created, they originally created first edition Pathfinder as sort of, if I remember correctly, it came out after fourth edition D and D by folks who just really weren't happy with where four E was going, and so they took three the the open game license version of three five and made it their own thing, uh, and it became Pathfinder, which a lot of people call three seven five. Um, I played Pathfinder back in like twenty eleven or twenty twelve. For about a year, year and a half, um, and that was first edition, and I really liked first edition. This is going to sound like just one log ad for Paizo, and it's that's not intended <laughs> hey, to be the case. I mean, like um, if, we're, if you're enjoying the system, like, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. Kind that, of that's fair. Of like, um, they are what I would consider to be the largest non Wizards of the Coast publisher, probably at least yeah. for the D twenty style games. Um, I don't think anyone's really bigger than than Paizo at this point. They also make Starfinder which is Pathfinder in space. Um, and then now pink Pathfinder second edition. They've, I think sunset first edition, and they now just exclusively make second edition content. And I think they're doing Starfinder two E at some point. Correct. Listeners um, will remember that that was my, um, mic check. One of the previous oh, was, times yeah, was, that's was reading right. the announcement of Pathfinder two E, which is going to be fully compatible or Starfinder two E, which is going to be fully compatible with Pathfinder two E. Which concerns me greatly, but it's probably not a bad thing from like a from a from their standpoint. Um, so if you played three point five D and D, you're fair. You have a fairly good understanding of how first edition Pathfinder works. First edition Pathfinder simplifies and takes away a lot of the nonsense. Like I don't think you can do the peasant railgun in Pathfinder <laughs> like you could do in three five that kind of thing. It takes out some of the some of them were excessive crunch, but as Cameron often calls it, math finder, uh, which is a reasonable thing to call it. Um, because Paizo's... Yeah, that's like the meme, is that it's way more crunchy than people are used to. Yeah, Paizo's uh, baby is definitely... Because 5th edition, not very crunchy, relatively speaking. Right, to its own fault, I would argue. Yeah, but, I'm not going to argue that with you at all. I think that's accurate. <laughs> um, but it is... Uh, Pathfinder is is also very much guilty of that um on some level which is fine i actually prefer the math um i do like me some crunch and some yeah. knowing what my numbers do but like i'll say from my perspective i like i like it when things are explained because that lets you know what to break yes so like uh so you like an example is like D D. when do you first get an uncommon item as a player like, I couldn't even tell you do, what like, quantifies as an uncommon item to be, to exactly. be fair. And so like the, the general vibe is somewhere before fourth level, you should be getting your first set of uncommon items um, for your players. But there's no explanation of what is a good uncommon item to give. Like, what are you doing? Whereas Pathfinder sets much more like using air quotes, strict rules for when people would get stuff, which then lets you know, okay, this is about what I should be expecting of my players. There's a bit more structure there that you can choose to use or not. Okay. I So I've, I've looked up what constitutes an uncommon item, and it's things like an immovable wand or a bag of holding. 
constitute uncommon but it's also items some, in like, 5e. Crazy items. Like, I don't consider Cloak of Protection similar to those. Like, that seems very good to me. Yeah. Um, or, or Boots of Elvenkind or something like that. Okay. Yeah, no, and I think there's a lot of, there is a fair amount of vagary there. Um, and so Pathfinder, and I should clarify for the audience, so the reason we are playing Pathfinder 2nd Edition is because I wanted to play Kingmaker. Um, and we could either play Kingmaker in 1st Edition Pathfinder, or we could just, you know, break the seal and, and play it in, in 2E. And I think 2E does some things very well. Um, there are some things they do that I don't as much care for, but probably are correct. Which um, is funny because I, I feel like from our previous discussions, the things that you don't care for are the things that I love the most. Oh, yeah. No, no, absolutely. You you and I take very different <laughs> stances on some of this. I do like that things like initiative are not tied solely to your dexterity score and yeah. or maybe a feat. I, I think that's interesting. I don't know that I'd have as much variance as they do, but I do like the idea of of freeing that up for for the listener in Pathfinder. And this is for second edition. Um, your perception in some cases may be tied to, I, I don't know why I said dexterity. That would be initiative. Uh, well, actually it applies to both. I think. Well, yeah. Um, yeah the, but, your dex, your dex does is what your initiative is based on. Yeah. So. Yeah. Your initiative can be based on, on different kinds of awareness and your perception can be based on different kinds of awareness. It's not just a static, uh, statistic and i do like that i think that is an interesting change um that is a bit a bit underrated in my mind there are some things they do that i think make the system less crunchy which is good but i also think overly complicated a little bit in an, in the interest of being less crunchy which is an interesting exchange i guess it's um but they are also to their credit doing a lot of the things Wizards of the Coast is doing with D&D that are making it more accessible, um, both from a, a gameplay perspective and a cultural one. Um, and as long as they're doing those things, I'm I'm fairly happy with that, because I think that is something that for a long time was not a priority for, for game companies when it when it probably should have been. Yeah, I mean, I think we see that. I mean, you and I are both Magic the Gathering players as well. Um, and seeing that going to even the recent update where they're changing some of the creature types to be more inclusive and things like that, or some of the keywords and stuff like that. Oh yeah. I saw that. I saw bits and pieces of it and I don't always agree with it, but if they have a reason it's necessary, that's fine. Like I can, if it's coming from a good place, that's okay. I'm, I'm very much okay with that. Wizards has a history of, of banning certain cards, but not because they're necessarily broken. Um, they, there are banned cards in Magic the Gathering that are actually bad, uh, but that's because they are culturally inappropriate. And while I don't know that I necessarily think it's necessary, if it's a move they think is, I have no objection. If it's bothering someone, then that's the kind of thing I think should go, because there are certainly some cards out there that are, when they were made 30 years ago, um, were probably not considered culturally inappropriate, but certainly are now. And that's mm -hmm. uh, a very reasonable adjustment to make. Yeah, and I think that that's we're we're going down this rapid hole now. Yeah, um, I guess we're, but this like, is what happens. It's but fine. like, yeah, I think that's something that's very challenging because it kind of leads oh, yeah. you to like the intention of like, oh well, there's this card that has this specific look in the art. Oh, um, maybe that's one that we should have caught as not appropriate thirty yeah. years ago. Um, yeah. And then there's things that are like, um. Uh, whether through lack of investigation or lack of um, awareness, like mistakes were made. Like, yeah. I, like even things that are like, that would be like insensitive, but would not be bad. So like one of the things that they brought up was um, Neon Dynasty for the return of Kamigawa. Sure. They had messed up a bunch of the kimonos and people had to like, like when they actually brought in people that were oh more culturally aware, they had to redo a lot of the art. Like subject so guess, matter like, experts. Okay. Yeah. Actually like people that knew the, and so it's like, oh, well that's a mistake. That's what I think would, many people would understand as, oh, you just didn't know. Sure. But like, but there's also things that are like, maybe we shouldn't have like depictions of the KKK in our art. Like, no, no that would not be that's one something that should not have gone not to have print to begin no. with. Um, so there, there are some cards with, with certain tonal qualities like that, or, um, 
Islamophobic mm-hmm. concepts in them that that maybe not even intentionally are there, but are there, and uh, you you do have to make those adjustments. Absolutely. Um, where do you stand on three action economy in Pathfinder? So pa- Pathfinder, basically, you can do whatever you want to do as long as you don't exceed three actions, unless something gives you more actions. That's and that's separate, mm-hmm. but it's no longer a a standard action and a bonus action and a move action. It's here's your three. Do what you want with them as long as you stay within the numbers. Uh, I yeah, find it I, interesting. I think it's mostly fine. I I don't know that I understand fully how it breaks down when some things actually take more than one action. I find that a little convoluted, but I like the idea. Yeah, I love it. I hate the action economy in D&D. Okay, fair enough. Um, and the the more that I've played Pathfinder, um, like with City, the more I've realized how much I really don't like the action economy of D&D. <laughs> okay, fair like, enough. I, I hate the like, what is your actual action versus what is a bonus action versus what is. What are things like, that are free actions action. that you don't realize are. Yeah. Or what probably stuff, should be like, a free action and isn't. Exactly. Because it's like in D&D, you can use your action to move again. Like using sure. like dash basically. Yeah. yeah. Um, but you can't use your move action to take another action. So like it only goes well, one way. And, and I if think you that, use, that is unintuitive. If you use your standard action to move again, then you can no longer use a standard action. Right. Where in Pathfinder, you can take two moves and still use a standard action as long as it's only a one action thing. And that certainly right. simplifies. I think that that's probably a simplicity thing. And that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And at least from where we're at with the game of like, I mean, I've only played level one Pathfinder 2E. Right. So like there's that. But like, at least from that perspective, I really like the three action economy because it's just very straightforward. Your your stride is one. Your strike is one. You can do multiple on every turn versus D&D right. where it's like, okay, well, when do I get my second attack if I'm this class? When is it different from this other class? Like you can then even then it's you don't get a second action. You get a second when you attack, you attack twice. And so I feel like there's like there's a sense in D&D 5e that is so many people are familiar with it. They've just kind of accepted that, oh, this is makes sense. But right. I really feel like the two action economy or three action economy also like gives them the ability to power certain things because it's like, oh, you can do this, but it is sure. going to take your whole turn. We're going to plan on this taking your full turn versus D&D where it's like there's not, at least as far as I'm aware, there's not an action there's not really actions that take your your real action and your movement and your bonus. Not really. So you're kind of always having to like juggle around um, what are you using these for? I, I think there's the rare exception of like if you use your move action to do this and then make an attack, use your bonus action to also. But like that's very few and far between. There's no yeah. real there's rarely any incentive to bother with that. Right. And there's stuff like charge that if you moved this many feet in a straight line, when you attack, do this. But like, right. That's not really the same, the same, <laughs> No, like versus the three action economy that has, again, just kind of from like a general perspective, it gives you so much variation. And then it also gives you like, Hey, here's this class feature. It gives you the ability to do this thing, but it takes two of your attack, two of your actions. So it's like, oh, this is a really cool thing. Me as a um, playing Ezek as a Magus, like my spell strike is kind of where I want to be. Um, And it's it takes two actions, but I kind of get three actions out of it because most of my spells are two actions on their own. And so it's kind of saving me an action. Sure. Because like I'm casting my spell through my attack. So... You're getting the attack and something. You're t- getting a one action attack and something that takes two actions for two actions total. For two actions total. Okay. No, no, I like and that. And so, like, it's it's an interesting way. Or like, um, from some of the other Pathfinder content that I watch, there there's classes that have an ability to attack with two different weapons at once at their starting attack bonus. Um, 
And right. that's, that might be two of their actions, but they get to take it at that higher level. And then if they do a third or their third action as an attack, then it's, oh, now you're at the full minus 10. But right. it kind of gives you a way. But at least the second one's not at the minus, minus five. Right. And, 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 and I think that that adds a lot of nuance to how the classes can work differently. Right. And and if you haven't versus D versus really what's the difference between a barbarian and a fighter when it comes to how they attack? Not really anything. Not much, no. But there is a meaningful difference here between me as a magus and if we were to have a monk or a fighter. Right. Like, or even Greg um playing Utsi as a rogue. The way that we attack is radically different because that can be built in around that three action economy. Right. When and for the listener, what Pathfinder 2 he has 2E has chosen to do is that, you know, if you have three actions, you can make three attacks with the understanding that the second attack comes at a negative or negative. Like you you'll take your whatever your bonuses are and then make your roll and then subtract from it. And then if you make a third attack, it's an even higher penalty. So sure, you can do those things, and on occasion they will be successful. But predominantly, they will still not be. But you at least have the option. Right. Uh, and and I feel like that's normal. a lot more meaningful for like lower level characters. Right. I mean, like in our very first session, we had people taking all three attacks. I want to say you and Ben and maybe Kim all did at different yeah. points. I think I did two. I don't remember if I ever did all three. Did three. But like. Maybe Ben that was I, just repeatedly trying to. Yeah. And I think that that's really interesting. Like at level one, it, it, it gives the designers a lot more to work with when you can build around that type of economy. Oh, sure. Absolutely. I I feel like D and D as somebody that like, so I'm running two different groups through the Strixhaven D and D campaign. Okay. Um, And versus a lot of stuff in that where like, I'm like, what am I doing with my bad guys? I'm blasting this one action. There's not a lot to think about. No, no, very much so. Like, but ha- here having this variety for how do you want to do your characters? How do you want to move things around? And granted, I mean, my players are relatively low level. The highest group is level four right now. So they're by no means like, okay. in game. Um, But I feel like that gives like a lot of options. And so like going to what you're saying there, it's like, so as Ezek, I have a plus seven to hit on my first attack then a plus two to hit on my third or my second attack, and then a minus three to hit on my third attack. But because that, that as a math, this is why like the math finder thing of like, it gives you the structure. It then lets them break the structure. So like Ezek is using a great ax as his primary weapon. And so um, when I attack an enemy other than the first enemy I attacked or other than the previous enemy I attacked, I get a plus one bonus to those attack rolls. So I can actually do a plus seven against one enemy, a plus three against the second enemy, and then a plus two or a minus two against a third enemy. So negating like some bonus. of those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it gives you that ability to work around the system in a way that's really cool um, versus just, hey, you're a fighter, you get two attacks. Right. So. Well, and, and you're not going to get those two attacks till later on. And granted look plus three is not a crazy bonus to hit but you're gonna hit some percentage of the time with that yeah and that's not you know that's not unreasonable i also like yeah. seeing and i know pathfinder's doing it and is doing it it was a big premise for the folks at um at level up for level of advanced 5e was doing more with exploration and doing more with not just mm-hmm. always hitting things ma- making more of the other things it almost reminds me in a way of of minecraft because what what Mojang and Microsoft have learned to do is add something and then come back seven or eight years later and make adjustments to it now that they've seen that it's maybe not it's not holding up its end anymore. Like right. every couple of years, Minecraft just updates something or adds something new. And, and I like seeing these groups give us more options, especially for us, for our purposes, having more flexibility to not just always be in combat and that be it'd be that or being super reliant on conversation roles or whatever being your, your significant options. I like them putting those out in per on purpose and giving us things we can do that are different and, and still entertaining. And still give you guys plenty of room to to plenty, plenty of decision-making opportunities 
but not every one of those decisions being which way do I hit a thing. Right, right. And I mean, I know that you can have those types of campaigns, but like within within other rule systems, of course, like. Oh, sure. Absolutely. But like, I like how a lot of that is built in. And I'm curious to how this is going to play out since we haven't really had the opportunity to do anything. But one of the things that like always annoyed me about D&D is it's, oh, are you going to beat make a, oh, what's the actual, um, are you going to do an in, in, intimidation check or are you going to do a persuasion check? And it's just, those are your two ways of engaging with others. Anger or smoothness. <laughs> exactly. And it's just like, which one of these are you going to do? It's one of those. And so like, Pathfinder has that built in as well with diplomacy sure. versus intimidation. But you, at least from what I've seen, you also get stuff that like can be built in in a lot of different ways. There's a lot of other ways to learn about the world or learn about others that are not just those two skills. Well, and, and it takes the, the thing often players will ask to do like, okay, I want you to make this kind of check. Okay, well, can I do this instead or can I use this skill instead? Mm -hmm. And Pathfinder is making the effort to bake it into the system. Yep. Like I want to make, you know, I want, I want my initiative or whatever to be based on something else. Okay. Well give, give me a reason and that's fine. Or I want my perception to be based on something else. Okay. Give me a reason and we'll see what we can do with that. And I think that that kind of flexibility is good. Um, it gives you. And look, and I think to some extent you do have to be careful to build your characters a certain way to make them functional. But at the same time, if you build a very specific character, there are some things you want to be able to do, and this gives you a little more freedom to do them. And yeah. even if you're not specifically statistically ready for that, I guess, in, in some sense. Yeah. And I think part of that, uh, this is another one of the things that I really am, am enjoying about Pathfinder, is like at level one, you're building the character you want to build. Yeah, like, that's true. That's that's one of the things that bothers me about the subclass system in D and D. Um, so like I, one of my, the, the first D and D character that I played in like a long running campaign, I knew was going to be an Eldritch Knight. Okay. But like at level one, like what am I doing with this intelligence? Like <laughs> it just doesn't mean. Yeah, okay. Okay. Like, but I have to have it there because I know at third level, I'm going to take Eldritch have Knight as my subclass. Right. Uh, versus playing the Magus, um, it's like, okay, I'm here at level one. I have what I want for my character versus having to wait for it to turn on. Right, yeah, yeah. Okay, I got you. I got you. Yeah, yeah, and No, that I, makes sense. And I feel like that that gives you a lot more opportunity to to try to build the character in an impactful way from level one. Um and you're not just like dumping stats because I, oh, I'm going to never need this. Like you're, you're going straight into the character that matters and like, you'll get feats and you'll get other things that'll like evolve the character, of course. But like shot sure. level one, they're way, it's way more likely that they're the character that they want, you want them to be than they are at level one even or than they are at, in D and D. Even if they're a much lesser version of that character. Yeah. You, you have a clear, clear picture clear idea of right. where you're headed. I like that. Okay. And that's you're, and you're right. You do get in that trap of, okay, I know this is what I want to do, but none of this is necessary right now. But if I don't put the points into it at build, I'm never going yep. to be able to in a meaningful way. And, and yeah, that is definitely a complication of, of character building. What do you think of the Kingmaker concept? Not even, not even so much as, as, from the part we've played through, because a lot of what we've played is, is like you, you've called it like just kind of like that tutorial area, yeah. um, that warm up area. But what do you think of the idea of giving the party the opportunity to actually mechanically run a kingdom and their stats matter to it and, and the whole nine yards? Yeah. So uh, we've talked about this in our normal episodes, but you and I have both played the Kingmaker or a large amount of the Kingmaker. Yes. Um, game and so I'm trying to actually like get to my to my account I want to see how much I want to say I've played like 80 hours of it oh wow um, uh, and, and what he's referring to is there's a game called Pathfinder Kingmaker by Owlcat Games 
um, that is based on Paizo's Kingmaker campaign, but is is an actual video game by way of what would you call that strategy? I guess role playing game. Okay. Yeah, it's a CRPG. So if people are playing Baldur's Gate three, it's the same like like style there. Just from a top down. Oh, I guess the yeah, I guess Baldur's Gate three is also a top down um, on some level. Yeah, I've played almost eighty four hours of it. You've so. got way more time in it than I do. What do I have? Um, Eight, so, uh, well, I've got 14 and a half. That's more than I would have told you I had. Uh, and that's between me. That's actually me starting over the story part way through pretty early on because I was like, I hate what I've built. Um, <laughs> I'm just going to start over. Uh, but it, it is follow that same path. And and the premise of Kingmaker is is a unique one to most campaigns, I think. Yeah. So what, what do you think of the just the general concept? I'm really interested to see how it's going to actually play out with our characters. Like, oh, specifically your group. Okay. Well, like, well, like, like, I mean, I say our characters, but with PCs, I guess, for lack of a better word. Um, so like when you're playing the game, you just say, Hey, you, you're this person, you go into this spot, you're this role. You're the warden, but you're like, the chief, whatever you're the yeah. general, whatever. Yeah, 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 exactly. You can think of it purely mechanical of like, Oh, you're the character with a high diplomacy. I'm going to put you into the diplomacy place. Congratulations. The one with uh, the highest charisma stat becomes king. <laughs> ex- yeah. It's like stuff like that versus I, I feel like with us actually playing it, like we're going to have a lot more opportunities for like, I know that this is probably what's mechanically best, but my character isn't going to want to do X, Y, Z. Um and, and to be I'm clear, really I have not considered what will happen when you guys do that. That'll be yeah, interesting. I mean, like I said, and we're 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 still a bit away from doing that. Oh yeah, um, yeah. But I really like that as a concept, and I like that you kind of get to like have characters that have like authority in the world. Um, yes, very much so. Like relatively, like we're, we'll be important characters. We're not going to be like by any means world leaders um early on by but no like, no no, no. I, I think that that plays into a really cool fantasy space of like we are running this thing we are building this how can we do that and that's something that like when i'm wanting to like run a campaign or play in a game like that's what i want to know what makes this campaign unique so one of the reasons that i like the strixhaven dnd setting is because it like it actually like takes place over four years. So whereas oh, like okay. a lot of like a lot of D and D campaigns are like all of these events crammed into like a one year in game time. Like this is actually like, it's like an episodic narrative and it's like, Oh, who is okay. here this week? These events happen. And these are the characters that go through it. Um, there's actual downtime. There's actual, like your characters can have friends outside of, um, the party. outside of the party okay um you can also like like one of my groups um they very quickly latched on that like all their characters are really good friends and like hang out together regularly my other group they've kind of formed separate groups where there's some characters that get along with others and they have other characters that like yeah and it's Love kind of it. interesting because like you can role play that because Oh, the last time that we played was three months ago in game time. What have your characters been up to over these three months? Okay. Yeah. And so like then taking that to Kingmaker again, this is different. We're like, we're going to be going and having to do things to like, oh, we're going to go have to have to fight trolls to defend the kingdom or whatever. But like, we're also putting that into this alternate like rule set around actually running things. And I think that's going to be really interesting as we try to keep our kingdom growing and surviving and however that, that structure is going to be built in. Like I'm very interested to what that is going to look like. It is interesting because, because King Weaver does add that element of, okay, so you obviously you will still explore and you will still play a tabletop RPG, but I'm also going to need you to like manage your economy and make governmental Mm -hmm. decisions and, this is becoming because I actually I finally bothered to play Eve online uh, for not oh, a particularly long time. But I did actually put a decent number of hours into Eve. And for those who don't know Eve, Eve is often referred to by people who don't care for it as basically the video game equivalent of having a second job. Because mm-hmm. you have to micromanage yep. so much and it's so like heavily task dependent. 
And I don't want Kingmaker to become that because you could easily get into a space where we spent a whole two hour decision, a two hour session with y'all just making kingdom decisions. And I don't know that that's interesting radio. Right. So that's something that's going to have to happen off. Exactly. It's kind of like the shopping episode of like, no one wants to hear people shop for two hours. No, heavens no. And so like we can make some of those decisions on air, the rest off air, and we can leverage the technology that we have to kind of talk through and vote however we need to vote right. or whatever that looks like. Well, and, and you know, if we spend, if we, if we don't play for six weeks, but in that six weeks, you guys make a moderate amount of kingdom decisions. The next time we come together for a session, we spend the first five minutes saying, since we played last, these are decisions they've made. This is what mm-hmm. the kingdom looks like now, because you, you have almost exclusive control or at least you would think you have almost exclusive control over how the kingdom is running. Like you have a lot of, of responsibilities in maintenance. Yeah. It's like, um, it's almost like a, it's like Sim city and the Sims. Like if you've ever played the in six, not in 64, was it game boy advance Sims games called the herbs <laughs> where you played an individual Sim and like had jobs and relationships and the whole nine yards but also SimCity at the same time. So like you guys are the characters, but you are also responsible for the overall world all at once. And I think that's very interesting. That leads to a lot of possibilities. Um, and I really need to, to spend some time looking through the PDF I have for, for Kingmaker because I'm used to six, six book Kingmaker. And the end of the first book is when you really ramp into that. But Kingmaker, as it is in second edition, is 11 chapters. And it's not till the end of the third chapter that we're going to get to that point of, of actual king king making, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's going to be, it's really interesting. There are some very interesting things we can hopefully do with this and just make it Make it interesting for the interesting for the audience and try and do something different. And I just I have a fondness for it. And my fondness is for the first edition version, but I think there's a lot of interesting things you get to do with this this setting. And we don't normally do setting stuff. Yeah. That's not normally how we operate on City, but I, I just I wanna do I wanna do Kingmaker because Kingmaker's cool. And I haven't got to play Pathfinder in north of a decade. So why not play Pathfinder? Yeah, I mean, this when we were talking about doing doing something, I was pushing very hard for Pathfinder 2e. Uh, I'm very happy that it won, but that is what we chose yeah, to yeah, go with. We, we, like, looked at, we looked at first edition, trying to convert to 5e, and playing second edition. We, we looked at all three, yeah. and I think this is the more correct way of handling it. Yeah. It's, the, it's the more uh, modern way of handling it. Yeah, and there, there's something to... And obviously, like there's there's always going to be people that are going to go back and play Pathfinder One E, and that's oh, great. Sure. That's what that's that's the joy of print media is that those options are there. I'm, I'm doing it with my uh, home group. <laughs> yeah, and like there's just something also that's fun and more interesting of like what is the current thing? Like what this is the uh, I say current thing. Pathfinder Two E has been out for quite a while, but like right. What is the, we're playing the modern game. What is this? What's going on? And so even once uh, there's updates coming to Pathfinder 2E of kind of a 2E.5. Okay, sure, sure. And uh, kind of in response to the OGL stuff, they're kind of using that as an excuse to do some some remakes. Okay, I respect that. Um, And so even there, there's going to be the options of like, oh, these things, here is the new current system, but I mean, there's no reason you can't use the old stuff too. Right. So like some of the classes are getting some relatively big changes, but like there's no reason you have to play that version of the class. I think that that can be part of the fun. But again, there's also, it's the same as like people that play. Um, I played a um, play by post D and D game right after the genie warlock came out. And I was like, like why after this came out in the unearth arcana and I'm like, I oh, want to okay. try this. This seems super cool. I have a really cool character concept for what this character could be. And it's like, there's something fun about that side of it as well. That's like, Oh, this is probably going to get updated. This is going to get changed. But like, there's something very fun about like being at the forefront of that character or that class. 
Right, right. And actually really getting to experience it firsthand. Mm-hmm. And if if you're if you're playing for long enough, moving through the changes as they come. Yeah. That is absolutely uh I'm trying to find something now. There's a humble bundle that came up that's that has some Pathfinder stuff in it and some Starfinder mm-hmm. stuff in it, and it's tempting me. Um, yeah, I picked up one of them, and it actually ended up having the Magus in it, which made me very happy. Oh, nice. Okay, that works out nicely. Uh, so I may have to come back to this. It's, it's a Roll20 Humble Bundle, uh, which is not something I know. <laughs> not something I knew happened, um, but that's cool. So yeah, Pathfinder, and, and Pathfinder is one, we're doing this weird thing on City where we're just kind of trying some different stuff, and and Pathfinder is the closest we're we're getting currently to D&D, but I think it's sufficiently different to to be sufficiently different because we want to do something different right now, and that's fine. Uh, and something you may hear, and I, I haven't sorted out how we're going to handle this because I was only, and we found out about it today, Um there's a one shot I want to run that's called We Be Four Goblins. Um, so if you've never listened to the. There it is. I, my mind just went completely blank and I was, I was talking like, I to thought them you today. Disconnected. I wasn't sure what happened. No, no, that was that was my mind just blanking. If you've never listened to the Geek at Arms podcast, Brian, Mike and James, fantastic dudes. Um, I think it's episode 57. I'll try and link it in the description. Um, they actually replaced James for one episode with James' wife, Joy. And she talks about a Pathfinder one-shot she got to do at a con that's called We Before Goblins, where you basically play for... In my mind, it's like playing Rugrats, but as Pathfinder goblins. That's the energy I want to go into it with, is playing Rugrats, but as goblins. Um, so we may we may try that at some point. I think there's there's some potentially interesting road to nonsense there. I do love a road to nonsense. Um, it's kind of our, our, our thing here. What is something you want to see us explore? So you, you've played Pathfinder with us, but you have listened to a fair amount of Pathfinder through, was it glass cannon? Yeah. Glass cannon is, was really my introduction to the system. And then I've done a little bit of Starfinder via Starfinder society. Oh, I didn't know they had society for Starfinder. That's cool. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, what is, what is something, you know, that Pathfinder does that is different that you would like to see us play with? I guess is my question. Ooh, um, I feel like in Pathfinder, there's a lot more structure around like modes of travel, for lack of a better word. Um, and I think it's, it can be difficult to make that fun, of course. Um, but okay, I, I there's a, a big section in glass cannon where they end up on a boat and they're going like down a river for a substantial like number of episodes. Interesting. Uh, Okay. And like the, like because Pathfinder like builds in a lot of this, like there's a lot of rules for what happens if you fall off the boat. What happens if like you are like, how do your weapons work when you're underwater? That kind of stuff. So I think there's a lot of interesting <laughs> stuff there that like, okay. especially like if we're going to like be running a kingdom, like a fun side quest could be we go and fight some pirates and like we now have this boat to boat combat or okay. something like that. You have I don't my know attention. how much of like, like that type of pirate battle type stuff would take like is in the rules, but like, like that, especially with the idea of Starfinder becoming um, playable in pathfinder 2e like it's very easy to reskin a spaceship as a boat and just like bring in like those rules and you can just like bring it down if that's not something that's actually in pathfinder but make some adjustments and and go from there yeah it's very easy to like reskin something like that and so like that's something that i would really like to see us do and I, i i i'd be very interested like how that would work out for us um work out in the sense of like there's a lot of new stuff there. And I feel like we as players would need to understand a bit more before we dove into something like oh, that. Oh, yeah, but. yeah. Before we get into deep. Yes. And and that, to be clear, we are, as much as we're talking about this now, we are very new to Pathfinder yeah. in general. Like, I'm running Pathfinder 2E without having played Pathfinder 2E. 
Cameron is my distinct fallback because he has listened to enough to e to correct me when right. I do something stupid. Right. And... I'm like the, the Pathfinder export spurt of our group, and I have not played Pathfinder 2E prior to this podcast, like prior to us playing. So. And that's very that's a very City on the Hill thing to be like, well, one person knows how it works. That's enough. It's yeah. fine. We've never played it before. It doesn't matter. We'll be okay. And And look, you always have flexibility at your gaming table to make adjustments and, you know, play differently if you need to, because something doesn't fit what you're interested in doing. We do it all the time here for a variety of reasons. And if, if one of those reasons is this really doesn't work for us as a campaign, we need to make an adjustment or we just really don't get this part of the rules or it's not working for us. We can always work around that kind of thing. And I think that's fine. Um, we, we have the flexibility here and that's good. What was, what's something you would like to see us do on city that isn't Pathfinder? Just in general, something you like to see us play or or tackle, even if it's not a game. Yeah, I with some people over in Checkpoint Church right now. I'm playing some of the Avatar game. Okay, I've heard about Uh, this. Yes, and so we haven't like necessarily gotten very deep into it, uh, but I'm enjoying it so far. It's it's I will say it's one of the like so with Pathfinder. I cannot imagine playing this with a paper character sheet. Okay. Um, fair enough. Whereas Avatar, I'm kind of the opposite. I'm ki- I'm playing it like with a PDF, and I'm like making notes there. And I kind of wish it was in paper. So like I'm probably going to end up going and printing stuff out, so I can actually just like play it physically. Okay, sure. Um, this is from Magpie I, Games. Yeah. And this and just so, like, came out this year, right? I think like the official release was earlier in this year. I think it okay. had been out in like. I'll say early access. That's the video game term, but like this was like a Kickstarter. I think you had been, yeah, I think that if you had kickstarted it, you had access to like PDFs ahead of time. I could be okay. wrong there. Very nice. But um, I feel like official release was this year, but like there's so much room there. And I'm, I mean, I also love Avatar. Um, right, right, that's, right. That came up in our council on the hill um, of like, to me, when you say like family friendly media, that is what I go to is, Sure. Is Avatar, um, which I feel like is different than how other people view family friendly media. Um, but well, no, but and I think it's a very reasonable thing to call Avatar. Yeah. Uh, well, not being and so like that's a, that's a like system that like, I'm interested like. in. OK, and that's definitely something we can look at. I, I do find that interesting. I'm not the biggest Avatar fan, but I know a lot of very big Avatar fans. Yeah. Um. And then another one is Lancer. Um, which is a mech system, right? Yeah, which is okay. a mech. Um, and so that's one that I picked up from one of the itch.io bundles. Okay. And so um, I've played it once. I think Greg played with me. I could be okay. misremembering. Um, I've won like, run like a one shot of it. And so it's really interesting. It's a fun system. It kind of has this fun thing where like you have your character and then you also have your mech. And so you kind of have these like different, different ways your stats are based on mech versus in person or on foot. Oh, versus yeah, yeah, yeah. Out in, in mech versus out of mech. Yeah. And okay. so I think that that's pretty cool. Um, it's a fun system. A lot of it is also accessible for free. Uh, like they have a super cool character builder. Uh, oh, okay. That like, um, I forget what it's called, but like that's just available online. I've also found an interesting, a very interesting app that runs outside their website that like lets you manage combat or content and encounters and create new pilots and yeah, compcon.com or compcon.app is the one that I'm thinking of. That's very interesting. Okay. And so like it gives you like this really cool abilities of like, and like I said, I've only run it as a one shot before, but it's a very fun system. If you're a Gundam fan, like it's like right up that alley. Um, and there's a lot of really fun, like fun stuff that you can do in that system. Okay. Now my uh, question at that point would be, are you willing to volunteer to run it as a one shot? <laughs> um, I could I'm, run a run one shot of it at some point. This is something we may come back to in the future. We may have yeah. to have this discussion. Um, I definitely have to like re-familiarize myself. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Before like making any sort of promises. But but like, I feel like we know and combined, we know more than enough Gundam adjacent people that we could put something together for this. Yeah. 
Uh, same said, for Avatar, the, actually. Yeah. And like I said, one of the biggest benefits of like Lancer is that everything, like all of the building is available online. That's one of the nice things about Pathfinder as well, is like all of those features are built in uh, or built for free or access- accessible for free versus okay. like, I can't go to D&D Beyond and just play an artificer. No, like, a lot of that is is locked. Yeah. And so I that but for Pathfinder, even though I do have access to the Magus class via one of the PDFs, like the stance that they have taken with their content is that it's available to everyone and the lore is what's like locked behind. And so Okay. Uh, I sure, think sure. That, like that ability to play the game um is something that um I think it's Mastiff Press did a really good job with um for Lancer as well. From like an accessibility to to contents uh, perspective, exactly. Yeah. Okay. So I think that there's a there's a lot there that I, I think is very very beneficial that like doesn't necessarily work out as well for D and D. Sure, there is a there's a lot of complexity to access when it comes for to to financial access when it comes to D and D. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Um, okay. Cameron, thank you for joining me, sir. We've we've had a nice little discussion of all things Pathfinder, um, and more Kingmaker is coming. Uh, we just we had a, a a complexity of schedule and health related conflicts um, come up, and so our regularly scheduled Kingmaker game will be differently regularly scheduled. Uh, but but the party and their nonsense is not going anywhere, uh, as far as I am concerned. We will we will be back with more of the us um and doing doing our kingmaker thing i think you guys were just about to step into a room covered in fire if i'm not mistaken um oh yeah i think i think that's next good to know i believe it's a room room of fire um and something and i'm hoping i have something in mind for this next session or section should it work out that i am very excited about that half our audience won't care about but is going to make me very happy to do in in the moment ryan gets to use a voice he doesn't get to use most of the time <laughs> uh th- it's just not applicable in the average situation and i really want to try this and i'm hoping hoping that works out it's going to work out at some point i've been threatening to do this for like a year across multiple campaigns and it's never actually panned out to to happen yet but it, we're going to get there eventually um you're going to get to see a real weird side of ryan uh hopefully here soon oh i'm ready um bring it on let's do this uh, so hopefully we will make that happen shortly. If not, I may be able to forcibly cram it in somewhere else. Um, I am not opposed to trying that. Uh, we also have something new coming to the show soon. We are we are workshopping a new campaign for the other group, the the group that just finished Impulse Drive. We are workshopping new something new for that that is very different than what we normally do, but I think will be very enjoyable um, and very fluffy and fuzzy and uh friendly so just our normal but but a little different i I think you guys will enjoy it we also have i'm we're in the vague discussion about something star wars related and i'm very excited about that as well and i'm probably threatening to do three or four other things there was something with superheroes and i definitely threatened something with someone that was old west based and i use the word threat lightly um, but I, but I am <laughs> don't very threaten me int- with a good time. That's right. Oh, <laughs> don't tempt me. Um, we, we definitely have some stuff coming down for the rest of, of 2023 and into 2024, maybe a Christmas special. I don't want to overpromise. We're discussing a Christmas special, um, that I'm, I'm, that I think you're going to enjoy. Uh, if we, if we can make it happen, we're going to make it happen at some point, but I'm hoping it's ready for Christmas. So, uh, uh, Cameron, where can the fine folks find you on the fine internet? The good side of the internet. Find, yeah, you can find me on Twitch on twitch.tv slash Cameron plus Deanna, as well as twitch.tv slash one geek four one one. You can also find me as Humar Whittle all around the internet, like um, threads, Instagram, um, Twitter, discords, all that kind of stuff. Go find him on Arena. Yes, you also find me there on you Arena. You can also find him on Arena. Play, Go find playing him on all Arena. the magic. That's right. Um, maybe if we can work it out, something new on Arena. Mm-hmm. soon we're I'm, I'm trying to convince him and some other people we know to to go on a journey with me that is absolutely a mistake but i'm still yeah. going to try and convince them to do it 
that's We're never going stopped on a journey like it's 2016. Yeah, baby. Um, whew, it's going to be niche, but that's fine. That's never stopped us before. Uh, so, hey, cityonahillgaming.com. Um, if you want to come check out the content, the website is functional again. I am happy. I, I think I've had to say for several episodes that the, the website was not functional, but I believe it is fixed now. Um, Ryan's learning about how website backends work, and I don't like it. I don't like it one bit, but it seems to be working right now and actually better than it used to. So I'm happy. Thanks to our friends at Captivate.fm because uh, most of that comes from them. So, uh, yeah. Oh, and sitting on Hill Gaming at gmail.com. And we're also on threads, he said, without being certain that was true. But I'm pretty sure we're also on threads and Twitter and Instagram, even though I only check it once every six months. But we're definitely on there. And most of the notifications I miss are actually from Cameron. <laughs> Cameron or Jarrett uh, are normally my missed notifications on Instagram. So follow follow us on all the places, links in all the descriptions. And uh, and we will be back soon, uh, hopefully with Ezek being Ezek. Um, and or as we call him uh, now, is it Noel Dad? Yeah, Hyena Dad. Hyena Dad, yes. Because for some reason, he's now the adult in the party. Yeah. Yeah, for some reason, the character with plus two intelligence and plus one charisma has become party dad. Yep, you are the voice of reason. Um you are the most anti-dad joke campaign dad I've ever seen in my life, and I'm kind of here yep. for it. Um, it is the full control father uh, who will make sure no one gets hurt. Um, yes. Because, boy, this party's inclined to some nonsense already. Yeah, um, we have to make sure that the um, random leaf thing, uh-huh. the frog, the goblin. And the, yeah, right. the frog who just wants to float down the water. Yeah, um, I got to make sure all of them stay alive. And that's like hurt right. Them, hurt them like cats towards the uh, towards something, <laughs> some semblance of <laughs> towards safety. the danger because they keep yeah. just wandering off. <laughs> um, so that that's Cameron's Cameron's adopted responsibility unintentionally is to uh, be the good leading example and voice of reason, uh, which is not what you expected when you signed up to this campaign. I don't think, um, but it's where <laughs> we've ended up. <laughs> but that's OK. We're having a good time with it. So thank you so much for tuning in. Go check out Cameron Postiana and One Geek Four One One, especially their Taylor Swift stuff. They have a new, they have a Taylor Swift tier list. Yes, we, uh, Shanine and I did a full discography ranking of every Taylor Swift album. Every daggum. Okay, respect. Uh, we just did a supplement for 1989 Taylor's version since that was not out when we did the ranking. So. Oh, did the original? Okay, fair enough. So go check that out if you are a big Taylor Swift fan, because the young lady has become very popular recently. Mm-hmm. Even kind very, of a big deal. More popular recently, I should say. Um, yeah, she put football on the map. She, oh, I hate that sentence. Um, <laughs> she certainly put it on the front page of every news and uh, media outlet nationwide recently. And uh, more power to her. The NFL is very happy right now. Yeah. So uh, thank you so much for listening. Uh, We will see you soon. Cameron, say bye. Bye. We'll see y'all later. Have a blessed day. Thanks for listening to City on a Hill Gaming. If you'd like to know more, find us online at cityonahillgaming.com or by sending us an email at cityonahillgaming at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at cityonahillgame or find us online at patreon.com slash cityonahillgaming. Thanks as always to our Patreon backers, Grizzly Rich, JD, Brian, Sir Lord Epic Name, Andrew, Christina, and Tony. We really thank you guys for everything you do to support the show, and we truly appreciate you. Thanks for listening, and have a blessed day.